Gordonga. Jayarata Matova Kunja Bihari Rata Matova Kunja Bihari Gopi Channa Balaba Girivara Dari Gopi Channa Balaba Girivara Dari Shodanandana Prashajanaranjana Yashodanandana Prashajanaranjana Jamuna Tiradavanachari Tirda Banachari Jayorata Motova Kunja Bihari Matova Kunja Bihari Gopi Janna Balaba Girivaradari Jaya Gopi Janna Balaba Girivaradari Yashodanandana Prashajanaranjana Yashoda Nandana Prajjana Ranjana Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jayorata Hamatova Kunja Bihari Erata Hamatova Kunja Bihari
Jayam Vishnupad, Padamahams, Paragraj, Gacharya, Ashtatilasata Shishimad, His Divine Grace AC, Bhakti Vedanta, Swami Shlapopad Ki, Anantakoti Vaishnava Brindiki, Grantaraj, Shimad Bhagavatam Ki, Ntai Go Premanandi, O Glories the Assembled Devotees, O Glories the Assembled Devotees, O Glories the Assembled Devotees, O Glories to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga. Narayanam namaskritya naram chevan rotamam devim saraswatim vyasam tato jayam udirayat om namo bhagavate vasudevaya om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. It's a reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 14, Chapter entitled Ideal Family Life, Text Number 1. Sri Yudhishthiravacha. Grihasta etam padaswim. Vitina yena chanjasha Yaya deva rishe bruhi Madrisho grihamudadi Sri Yudhishthiravacha Grihasta etam padavim Vitina yena chanjasa Yaya deva rishe bruhi Madrisho griha muddadi Shiyudhishthiravacha Grihasta etam padavim Vitina yena chanjasa Yaya deva rishe bruhi Madrisho griha muthadi
Yudhishthira Vacha. Yudhishthira Maharaj said, Grihasta, a person living with his family. Etam, this, the process mentioned in the previous chapter. Padavim, position of liberation. Vitina, according to the instructions of Vedic scripture. Yena, by which. Cha, also. Anjasa, easily. Yayat, may get. Devarishe, a great sage among the demigods. Bruhi, kindly explain. Madrisha, such as me. Griha Muta, Di, completely ignorant of the goal of life. <coughs> Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shila Prabhupada. Maharaj Yudhishthira inquired from Narad Muni, O oh my Lord, O oh great sage, kindly explain how we, who are staying at home without knowledge of the goal of life, may also easily attain liberation, according to the instruction of the Vedas. Translation responsibly. Maharaj Yudhishthira inquired from Narada Muni, O oh my Lord, O oh great sage, kindly explain how we, who are staying at home without knowledge of the goal of life may also easily attain liberation according to the instructions of the Vedas. Purport. In the previous chapter, the great sage Narada has explained how a brahmachari, a vanaprastha, and a sannyasi should act. He first explained the dealings of a brahmachari, vanaprastha, and sannyasi because these three ashrams, or statuses of life, are extremely important for fulfillment of the goal of life. One should note that in the brahmachari ashram, vanaprastha ashram, and sannyas ashram, there is no scope for sex life. Whereas sex is allowed in grihastha life under regulations. Narad Muni, therefore, first described Brahmacharya, Vanaprastha, and Sannyas because he wanted to stress that sex is not at all necessary. Although one is, uh, although one who absolutely requires it is allowed to enter Grihastha life or householder life, which is also regulated by the Shastras and Guru. Yudhishthira Maharaj could understand all this. Therefore, as a Grihastha, he presented himself as Griha Mutadi, one who is completely ignorant of the goal of life. A person who remains a householder in family life is certainly ignorant of life's goal. He is not very much advanced in intelligence. As soon as possible, one should give up his so-called comfortable life at home and prepare to undergo austerity or tapasya. Tapo divyam putraka. According to the instructions given by Rishabdev to his sons, uh, we should not create a so-called comfortable situation, but must prepare to undergo austerity. This is how a human being should actually live to fulfill life's ultimate goal. Amagyan timadandasya gyananjana shalakaya chakshurin militam jena tasmai shri gurave namaha. Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Swa Bedantikam Vansha Kalpata Rubyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichanando Shri Advaita Gadadha Srivasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.
So the chapter is called Ideal Family Life. This is Narad Muni's uh, description and instructions on Varnashram Dharma. So it's it's famous uh, section. Uh, if you look at Bhagavatam, uh, all the way through most of the cantos, maybe all the cantos if we analyze it, Narada is the prominent instructor in many of the sections. In other words, he's the guru of some of the most prominent personalities within the Bhagavatam itself. So he's uh, Yudhishthira's guru, he's Dhruva Maharaja's guru, uh, who else? Rigari, yeah that's not in the Bhagavatam, but... Who? Yep, yep, that's good. Who else? Prahlad Maharaj, yeah. So I mean, he's guru of everyone. So prominent. And even in ISKCON, uh, there are pastimes of Narada. Uh, Prabhupada said on several occasions, he said, uh, did you see Narada? Uh, did you see him? He was there in the, uh, in the class listening to Prabhupada. Uh, Narada would come <laughs> and listen. And then if you go to uh, Soho Street, uh, uh, run, then there are two little asanas uh, next to the deities. And Prabhupada said, uh, do you remember who it is who comes? Is it Narada and Shiva? Yeah, Narada and Shiva come. Uh, to listen uh, to the class. So his, his pastimes are still there. Uh, one time actually he was there uh, in Prabhupada was giving uh, class and uh, Prabhupada said, oh, did you see Narada? And the devotees said, no, no, we did not see. And they said to Prabhupada, I said, what was he doing? Uh, Prabhupada said, he was laughing. And they and uh, they said, well, why was he laughing? And he said, because uh, during the kirtan, when you're doing kirtan, uh, Narada said, they are such Kali Yuga devotees. Hmm? Kali Yuga devotees have their own style and fashion uh, and way of doing things <laughs> compared to the previous Yugas uh, because there's a lot more uh, Rajas and Tamas uh, intermixed with the practices uh, in the Kali Yuga. Uh, so, uh, Narada is still there. Uh, and if you look in the Bhagavatam, he's all through Bhagavatam. He, you know, he's the, the prominent guru uh, within the, uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam. And as I said, then even in Prabhupada's pastimes in ISKCON, he's still manifesting. Uh, he's still prevalent. Uh, so, he is one of the 12 Mahajanas, uh, one of the, the 12 great authorities who are mentioned. And he's the guru of many of the others. Uh, so he's considered to be such a, uh, a prominent personality. He's also very famous in India. Uh, they have sayings like, you, you, are, you are acting like a Narad Muni. Yeah. If someone's a little bit uh, sneaky, is it? Is it like that? I've heard sometimes they say something like that. If someone's being a little bit sneaky, they say, he's got a reputation. You know, amongst Hindu people sometimes, being like a little bit sneaky and... But he's actually not like that. that that's not his... because they, they're misunderstanding his personality. Uh, sometimes he does do things. He acts in particular ways. Like he came, he said to Kamsa. What did he say to Kamsa? Yeah, that the, uh, the child is going to uh, destroy you. <coughs> and the prophecy was the eighth child. So Narada came to Kamsa and he said, uh, so I heard the eighth child is going to destroy you. And then Kamsa said, yes, we're waiting for the eighth child. He said, yes, but it depends which way you count. Uh, if you go backwards, then number one is number eight. Uh, and if you go forwards, then number eight is number eight. Uh, so then he confused Kamsa and then Kamsa started killing all the kids because he didn't know. He, he was thinking, he had him completely disturbed because he wanted to speed up Krishna's descent. Uh, so sometimes it's, sometimes it's hard to understand these personalities. It is said like that. We can't always understand the, the mind of the great person, uh, the very advanced transcendental. It's difficult to understand. Uh, so, uh, Narada here, these are famous 
instructions, famous teachings he's giving uh, to Yudhishthira about Varnashram Dharma. Uh, now, in the previous chapter, we've heard about sannyas, Varnaprast, and uh, Brahmachari, life. And now we're hearing about Grihastha life. And Prabhupada points out in the purple, what is the difference between that ashram and the other three ashrams? Right? The difference is that one is allowed to have sex life right, in a regulated way, and the others are not. Uh, they're forbidden to engage in sex life. So basically, it's interesting. It's the demarcation for everything. The whole world is based on sex life. Right? Everything is based on sex life. It is the active, Prabhupada actually says, I think it's in the first purport actually, Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 1, Verse 1, Prabhupada says, I think he says, it's the active principle in the material creation. Right? Everything is just based on sex life. Everything is based. Uh, Freud, who is the, one of the most prominent uh, psychologists in the modern era, he, he says it. He said, everything is based on sex life. If you analyze why everyone does everything. One time Prabhupada was stuck, uh, Prabhupada was stuck in a traffic jam. I think it was in Australia actually. Right? He was stuck in and Prabhupada, uh, could, no, none of us like being stuck in traffic jams. And Prabhupada sighed, he went, <sighs> simply sex life. Right? Everything is sex life. Right? <laughs> traffic jams are sex life. Uh, why is everyone stuck in the traffic jam? I will, I will undergo the austerity of being in this traffic jam as long as there is sex life at the end of the road. Right? Everything is based upon it. It runs the entire material uh, energy. Uh, even one time Prabhupada walked into the Krishna Balaram Mandir. This is in the very beginning, uh, before it was busy. Now it's very busy. The Prabhupada walked back in there and he walked in and you know on the, if you go in the front entrance on the, two, on the left and the right, there are two rooms in the corners. Uh, they've changed the construction now, I'm not sure if it's like that now, but uh, the two rooms are there. So Prabhupada went in and he sat in one of the rooms in the middle, there was an empty chair. And Prabhupada walked in and he sat in the chair. And then uh, the devotees, there's several devotees, Dhananjaya Prabhu and a few other devotees are with Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, illicit sex. Well, and devotees like, what's Prabhupada talking about? Uh, and then devotees were looking. And then Prabhupada, with his cane, he pointed to the roof. And they looked up. And there were some pigeons. Uh, and Prabhupada said, illicit sex in the temple. Get them out. In other words, don't let the pigeons live in the temple. You know, they can live outside. They can do their thing outside. Uh, but inside the temple, then everything must be uh, sacred. So this is what keeps the, the world going. It is sex life. Now, uh, why is that? Because, it's explained in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Adi Ras comes from Radha and Krishna, the original sex life. But that is pure. That is different. Uh, uh, Kaviraj Goswami, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami says, the calm or the lust of the gopis and Radha towards Krishna and, and vice versa, it is like gold which has been purified in 1,000 fires. It is pure. It's nothing like the, the uh, Adi Ras, oh, sorry, the, the mundane Ras within this material world. Right? It is a totally different thing. Uh, the rasa that is there in that spiritual world, that spiritual dimension, that is completely pure. Uh, it has no uh, tinge because uh, in Chaitanya Charitamrita it says the definition of calm is at, atmendriya priti. Atma indriya priti. Indriya, atma, means my senses. To satisfy my senses, that is the definition of calm, lust. Right? That's what it means. That's what sex life is in the material. It's all about our senses, not about the other person. Sometimes, you know, people say, oh, I love you and I want to make you happy and I want to give you pleasure. No, it's not. You just want to satisfy your senses. <laughs> That's all it is. Atma Indriya Preeti. That's the definition of calm. Krishnendriya Preeti, uh, it says in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna Indriya Preeti, 
Prema, the definition of Prem, love for Krishna, which is what the gopis and Krishna exchange, it is Prema, it is to give pleasure to Krishna's senses. Right? That is the difference. It's, it's, there is no uh, tinge of material lust within the activities of the pure devotees. Uh, and in Krishna himself, Krishna doesn't have any material lust. It's a pure exchange, which is there. Uh, so, uh, even it describes in Krishna Bhavanamrita and you know, Govinda Lilamrita, these esoteric scriptures, it says that in the morning, Shimati Radharani looks at herself in the mirror and her manjaris, her attendants, uh, dressing her and cleansing her and adorning her for when she meets Krishna. And she looks in the mirror and she thinks when she sees herself, she says, there, there is no one more beautiful in the creation. But she's not thinking this in an egotistical way. When we look in the mirror, we might think something similar. Yeah, we might look in the mirror and think, oh, there's no one more beautiful on the earth. Uh, we might think that. Or we might look at ourselves and think, I wish I was so beautiful. <laughs> that was so you know, you, whatever you might think, you know, our mind goes through all, all sort, sorts of crazy psychological states, you know, due to the false ego. But Radharani thinks this, but she is thinking, okay, uh, I am the most beautiful person, but my beauty is simply existing for the pleasure of Krishna, to give pleasure to Krishna's senses. That is prema, right? So there's nothing material about it. Yeah. So we have to understand this point, it's very important. That's why we don't speak about these things publicly. You don't speak about Radha and Krishna's intimate leelas publicly. You know, Prabhupada was staying at one life member's house uh, in India, maybe in Mumbai or... No, it was somewhere else, I think. And then after Mangalati, the uh, Grihasta couple, they were a little elderly, they came to Prabhupada and they said, Swamiji, we want to hear Rasa Leela straight after Mongolati. Uh, and Prabhupada said, I'm not qualified to speak on Rasalila. And they, you know, sometimes Indian people are a little insistent. I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes they're a little insistent. Oh, Swamiji, please, please. No, 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 no. Please, oh, Swamiji, please. Prabhupada said, you may be qualified to hear it, but I am not qualified to speak it. No, that's why we don't speak it publicly, the intimate uh, pastimes of Radha and Krishna and the gopis uh, because people will misconstrue it. Even when uh, uh, Shukadev Goswami spoke to Maharaj Parikshit, he noticed, it mentions in the commentaries in the Bhagavatam, he noticed some of the sages, they were smiling when he began the Rasa Panchajaya, when he began the pastimes of uh, the Rasa Leela, in the 10th canto, when he began to say, even some of the sages were misconstruing what was going on. They began to smile in a mundane way. Shukadev was looking. And he thought, okay, I will not reveal everything. I will not say everything because they're not qualified to hear it. That was Naimishiranya. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, on the bank of the Jamuna, when Parishit was speaking to Shukadev. <laughs> These are very, you know, essays. so we don't just speak it openly like that. Mahaprabhu did not do it. Uh, he would speak about it in the Gambira, right? Prabhupada actually said one time, he said, we, we do not boycott the gopis. There's no boycott. We can speak about the gopis and Krishna and Radha and Krishna. That's okay. But you do it behind closed doors with devotees who are qualified to hear it, who are following the regulative principles, who are sufficiently uh, cleansed. <coughs> Because it says, the, the final, if you go to that Rasa Panchajaya uh, chapter, the final verse says, by hearing these pastimes, it will cleanse the lust from your heart. I remember Jagatrini Mataji said at one of the retreats years ago, she said, it is the only thing that can completely remove the lust in our heart is to hear the pastime of Krishna and the gopis. But you have to be qualified to hear it. No? Bhaktivinoda Thakur actually says, if you hear the uh, pastimes of Krishna with the gopis, but you are not qualified 
the rasa will turn into the rasa. And actually your lust will uh, uh, increase. Right? When you hear those pastimes, your lust should be decreasing. That means you're qualified. But if it's increasing, uh, that means you're not qualified. You should stop hearing. You should go back to the first canto of the Bhagavatam. Uh, Prabhupada said, uh, we should study the first and second canto of the Bhagavatam until we are free from the desire for illicit sex. So that means we, maybe we have to stay there for a long time. Mm, the lotus feet, uh, the first and second canto. Uh, so, <coughs> uh, now we're hearing uh, about the various ashrams. Brahmachari? Grihasta, Vanaprasta, Sanyas. So what's the demarcation? One is allowed to have regulated sex life, the other three are not. When Prabhupada began the movement back in 1966 in uh, uh, 26 2nd Avenue, he was explaining this principle. Once a month for Grihastas, they can have sex life to beget children. After chanting, 50 rounds, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. And then I think it was Hayagriva Prabhu, one of Prabhupada's early disciples. Prabhupada said once a month you know, to beget uh, Krishna conscious children. And then Hayagriva Prabhu said then, what's the point of even having it if it's only once a month? Oh, and then Prabhupada said, exactly. <laughs> they said, what is the point if it's only one? Then Prabhupada said, exactly, that is the point. All right? As time goes by, we're meant to lose the desire completely. And you should be feeling this in your own Krishna consciousness. The lust, the desire for sex life, it should be decreasing over time. If it's increasing, that means there's something wrong with the application of the process. Yeah. Because it should be decreasing. We should be feeling year after year that that desire is becoming less. Yeah. That should be the, uh, the feeling that devotees are getting. Mm. So. Uh, one ashram is allowed to have some sex life, but the other three, they are not allowed to have uh, sex life. Each of the ashrams gets purified in a different way. Uh, we were discussing this last night also. Uh, the religious principle for the brahmacharis, what is the religious principle? Study, yeah. Yeah, we call it vidya. Vidya means cultivating knowledge. Uh, that, that is the religious principle for the Brahmachari ashram. Prabhupada said Brahmachari ashram is best. Right? It is the best ashram. There's no better ashram than Brahmachari ashram. Brahmacharis have three bags. Uh, that's it. Right? Sleeping bag, japa bag, book bag. That's it. That's your life. Prabhupada said the brahmachari should be so tired uh, from serving Krishna all day that when he puts his head on the pillow, he falls asleep immediately. Because uh, he just fully dedicates his life. Uh, he only has three bags, that's it. That's Brahmachari. very simple. It's the best life. And there's not so much social pressure. A sannyasi has a lot of social pressure. Chaitanya Charitamrita says, just like if you have a white cloth, and there's one little black spot, everyone says, oh, look at the black spot. So sannyas is like that, right? Oh, did you see Maharaj had two ladders? I saw Maharaj had two ladders. Oh, like that. Even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you know, he ate a lot of prasadam because devotees cook so much prasadam with love, right? And then he got criticized. Oh, why is the sannyasi eating so much? Mahaprabhu said, okay, tomorrow, give me half as much. Yeah. And we were reading uh, recently that uh, when he went to Savabhambhadacharya's house and they cooked a big feast, Mahaprabhu just said, give me some rice and boiled vegetables. Uh, because the renunciates should eat simply because it keeps, keeps the sense, senses peaceful. When you eat too much rich food, if you're not burning it off with activity, then you will become agitated. The senses will become agitated. Uh, so the the, uh, the renunciate should eat very simple, prasadam, in general. Prabhupada said once a week you can have a feast. Once a week you can eat whatever you want. But the rest of the time, uh, you have to control your senses. Uh, it's very difficult actually in the Melbourne temple. 
It is. It's truly difficult uh, to do it. Uh, that Leela Da Gupta, he's an Ayurvedic Kaviraj from Brindavan. His father uh, treated Prabhupada, actually, Narottama. He was actually Prabhupada's Kaviraj. Uh, he came here to the Melbourne Temple. He said, it's very hard to control your senses. He actually said that. I will talk about that later. I'll talk about that later. But he said that uh, very hard to control the senses, right? This is opulent, uh, precise. So actually, the renouncers should eat simply, right? Because it's easy to control the senses. You know, and we feel that sometimes, you know, when you have, eat too much rich prasadam, you feel like the senses and the mind, they become agitated. You know? So we have, to, we have to learn to control. So for the, uh, the brahmacharis, you know, they, they practice celibacy. They do not associate with women unnecessarily, right? only for service. And they study. And that's the, uh, uh, the opulence of the brahmacharya ashram. Right? You don't have grihasta responsibilities. You have time to study. Right? And sometimes even that becomes hard because there's so much service. <laughs> it's hard to, hard to uh, study. But actually, that's the, the situation. No, the, the brahmacharis should study as much as possible. The second ashram is the Grihasta ashram. And what is the religious principle for the Grihasta? Yeah, dana. Dana. Yeah, he should give charity. Right? That's being, that'll be emphasized a lot in this chapter. If you look at Grihasta Dharma, that's the, that's the, the way a Grihasta becomes purified. Because Grihasta life requires a lot of money. Right? In 2024 in Melbourne, it requires a lot, the price of living is going up and up and up. Even just to live a basic life, you need quite a lot of money. Right? You've got to work like hard. You know, just to just to, you know, feed the kids, put them in school and uh, everything, you know, the, and playing cricket on the weekends, you know, the kids are in the cricket teams, that costs a lot of money. Everything costs a lot of money. So the Grihasta, he has to earn money, but the nature of money is that you become very attached to it, right? Jamma Aishwaya Shruta Shribiya, right? Queen Kunti says, right? These four material things, they're distractions uh, for spiritual life if they're not used in Krishna's service. Jamma means a high birth. Uh, Aishwarya means wealth. Shruta means when you're learned, you have a good education. And Shribiya means your physical beauty. These four, if they're not used in Krishna's service, they can become a distraction to bhakti. Mm. So of the four, the Acharya's comment, Aishwarya is the most intoxicating. If you get money, you become intoxicated. We all know it. And you know, someone gives you $500, and then you're like, oh, wow, wait a minute, your barb changes. And right? suddenly it's like, oh, wait, I've got $500. And your mind starts saying, oh, what can I do with it? Uh, I can get a watch. Uh, but what sort of watch will I get? Or I can get a good watch. Uh, and your mind starts going, do, 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 do. Now, I had to get a watch recently because my, my other one uh, stopped working after more than 10 years, stopped working. So. <coughs> I had to get another one. So you go in the shop, but then your mind starts playing tricks. Oh, I can get this one, or I can get that one. If I pay a little bit more, I can get that one, and this one, and then your mind starts playing tricks. And I was very fortunate. Krishna blessed me, because I went, I was looking in the, the white, and I went around the corner, and there was one very good watch, but it was marked down like really cheap price. I don't know why. But then I said, okay, I'll have that one. Because <laughs> it was cheap. Now I don't have to waste money on, because your mind starts playing tricks on you. I swear you. That's why money is very intoxicating. Uh, you, you know, uh, Parikshit Maharaj, uh, he was wearing a golden crown, you know, because he's Chatriya. They wear, and it says in Kali Yuga, uh, the personality of Kali hides in gold. Now, wherever there's gold, wherever gold is, it says in Bhagavatam, wherever gold is cu accumulated, that's where Kali manifests, like in the uh, Crown Casino. You know, that's where all the gold is. I mean, now it's not gold, it's just 
numbers on the computer, but you know, wherever that is accumulated, that's where Kali goes, and that's where the regulative principles are broken. So Parikshit Maharaj, he was wearing that golden crown, and then um, Kali influenced. So then when he came, and the, uh, uh, the uh, Brahmana Shringi uh, did something, uh, and uh, no, oh, sorry. When he came, and then he put the the snake on Shringi's father's neck, he normally he would not have done that. Uh, the Acharyas comment that because the gold crown was there, Kali was influencing him, and because of the influence of Kali, he became disturbed and he acted out of character. He disrespected the sage, and then Shringi gave the curse, and then he had seven days to live. Mm. So this is the influence of the uh, wealth of gold, of money. Therefore, it says for the Grihastas, you have to give dan. Dan means charity. That's how you become purified as a Grihasta. So then the question is, how much charity should I give? And the answer is, that is up to you. All right? In ESCOM, we don't have any uh, numerical system. We don't say, oh, 10% of your wage. I mean, if we go, if we, if we want to be strict with what the Shastra says, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it means you have to give 50%, which means you can't even live. You know, you can't, then you couldn't live, you couldn't do it. So you have to give something. The point is, it's up to you how much you will give. So then the question is, how much should I give? And the answer is, you give it when it starts to hurt. Right? That's when you know you're giving enough. Because if you make $1,000 a week and you give $10 to the temple, you're not going to feel anything. But if you make $1,000 a week, you give 100 to the temple, you'll start feeling something. That means you're in the realm of the right amount to give. And if you give 1000 a week and you give 500 to the temple, right, then your wife files for the divorce, then you, then you know you're giving too much. Right? So you have to find that, yeah, that nice area you know, where it feels uncomfortable. right? But at the same time, it's not, you know, you have to be practical. If you're not feeling anything, it's not enough. If you're feeling too much, right, then it's, that's not right. If, you, if you're giving too much, then you'll, not, you'll feel it too much. So we, Prabhupada said we have to strike the balance between the two. Well, so that is the religious principle for the Grihasta. And then for the Varnaprastha, what is his religious principle? Hmm. Tapa. Tapa means austerity. Sooner or later, you have to give up your attachment to family life. All right? Just like, uh, do you know Robert De Niro? Do you know Robert De Niro? You don't personally know him? You don't know him personally? Okay, we can introduce you, don't worry. Uh, but you, you've heard of him, Robert De Niro? Like, I don't know, like in your uh, India, then you'll have uh, you know, Bollywood stars. So in Hollywood, he's like super famous, super. He just had a baby, he's 80 years old. Just had the baby. Right? It's like Ajamil. You know, Ajamil was 83. Right? 80, you don't have kids when you're 83. That's not, it means you're not living your life in the, uh, the correct way, according to the Varnashram system. Varnashram doesn't mean, you know, 80, when you're 80, you should be Varna Prasta, at least. Right? So you don't, it doesn't mean you're still having kids. Right? That's not the system. So uh, it means that as a Varna Prasta, you have to practice tapasya, which means voluntarily you have to start giving up your attachments. Now you're getting older now. You look in the mirror. You know, the hair's going gray, or the teeth are becoming loose. Right? Everything is beginning to fall apart. Right? That's Krishna being very kind. He's saying, you're going to have to change location soon. You know, Krishna is giving you an indication. So it means you don't just increase the attachments. You don't get another house and uh, have more kids and everything. It means it's time to wind down. So tapasya means uh, we have to give up uh, our attachments voluntarily. So that's what Vanaprastha Ashram is for. <coughs> you go to the forest. Vana prasta means literally means mm, simplifying things at that point.
And then sannyas, what is the religious prin principle for the sannyasi? Yeah, it is satcha, satcham, param satcham dimihi. Uh, this, the uh, sannyasi, he preaches the absolute truth, uh, the Bhagavatam, the Vaishnav sannyasis. Uh, just like we were uh, reading last night that Savabhom Bhattacharya met uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, took him to his home and then Mahaprabhu woke up uh, and he, you know, he's a sannyasi and uh, at the time Savabhom Bhattacharya is a, a Mayavadi. Om namo Narayana. That's how he greeted Mahaprabhu. Uh, you are Narayan. I am also Narayan. It's nice to meet you. Like that. That was the, that's how the Mayavadis greet. And Mahaprabhu said, Krishne Matiya Astu. May your mind be on Krishna. Uh, because that is the, the and then you go, oh, he's a Vaishnava, sannyasi. Uh, uh, Krishna, Matiya, Astu, may your mind be on Krishna. Uh, so that is the principle. That's what the sannyasis teach us. Keep your mind on Krishna. Because in Grihasta life, sometimes the mind goes other places. Uh, it's not always on Krishna. Uh, does anyone here know what I'm talking about tonight? Uh, you can relate. Yeah, <laughs> we can all relate. Sometimes the mind is not on Krishna. Uh, so therefore, the sannyasi comes to remind us. That's why the sannyasi uh, is the guru for all of the other varnas and the ashrams. Because they come. You know, when, when they come, we bow to them. Why do we bow? Because they have given up sex life. They've conquered it. Prabhupada says, that's why we bow to the sannyasi. And he says to us, hey, wake up. Jeevjago, Jeevjago, Gorachandra Bole. Lord Chaitanya is calling you. Wake up, wake up. So that is the sannyas dharma, uh, param satyam, dimihi, uh, to remind you of the absolute truth. Put your mind on Krishna. Your mind is on so many other things. Put your mind on Krishna. Uh, that's, that's the sannyas dharma. <coughs> so here in this uh, section, uh, the Varnashram section, uh, Narad Muni is going to give a, a breakdown of all of the different ashramas. Right? And here we're going to hear in this chapter about Grihasta Ashram. And there's a great emphasis on the Grihasta giving charity. If you go through the chapter, right? he's meant to distribute prasad. Uh, Prabhupada says, you know, before you have your meal as a Grihasta, you have to go outside on Dank Street and you have to say, Prasadam, 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 three times. Is anyone hungry? Come, eat now, eat now. Prabhupada said his father, every day, there was at least three or four guests every day in their home. Right? That is the Vedic culture, the Vaishnava culture. So there's a great emphasis on that in, the, in this chapter. Uh, also, uh, in this chapter, uh, we're hearing about how the Grihasta should earn his money. Radhanath Swami said something very nice a while ago. He said that the Grihasta should earn with integrity and he should spend with compassion. Very nice instruction. Yeah. So you, when you earn as a Grihasta, it has to be with integrity. You can't do these uh, uh, sinful activities. You know, sometimes devotees, they tell us, oh, I'm working for this company, and we're, you know, the company's not good. And we, we advise them, you know, Prabhu, maybe look for another job. Because uh, you're karmically Im implicated. Actually, Prabhupada said his instruction with the Grihastas was to open restaurants and distribute prasadam. Prasadam distribution. He said Grihastas should make living from prasadam distribution. So if they all, all come together and work together, you know, several devotees, you can distribute prasad. So much opportunity is there to do it. Uh, so earn with integrity and then spend with compassion. So give your money to the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. That's where I give my donations. You know, I'm a Grihastha, I donate. Uh, so I give to the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. The Hare Krishnas are good people. 
I highly recommend you can donate. Uh, and nice people. Uh, good. Uh, so uh, you can give donations. Uh, to, you know, ISKCON has so many projects, so many projects. I was in Jagannath Puri uh, during Kartik and Radhanath Swami was there with, I think it was 11,000 devotees. So every night Maharaj would come and speak in the Pandal. So I went down there and then one night Maharaj didn't speak. Maybe he was tired or something, I'm not sure. But, but they had a uh, presentation, all the different projects that uh, the different Chaupati temple and the different temples are involved in. Now, things I didn't even know about. So many different things that you can donate to. You know, if you want to support this, if you want to support that, if you want to support <laughs> so many things. ISKCON, there's so much. So, Grihastas, we should become rich. We should earn lots of money and then give it to Krishna. And then your mind will be on Krishna. That's Grihasta Dharma. Uh, that's what more or less this chapter will speak about. So, so we'll stop here. Are there any questions or any comments on what we spoke? Do we have a microphone? Yeah. Hare Krishna Prabhu, thank you for the nice class. You mentioned how the sannyasis um, are the topmost of all the ashrams. Prabhu, we see in Bhagavatam like Durvasamuni and Amrisha Maharaj. When Durvasamuni, he was, he was envious of King Abrish because he took a little bit of water. And Durvasamuni was a sage, whereas Amrish Maharaj was a king with a lot of opulence. And still Amrish Maharaj was considered more advanced than Durvasamuni. So how do we understand this? How do we understand that, that sometimes the Grihastra is more advanced than the Sannyasi? Because Bhakti is not dependent on Vanashram. Uh, bhakti, Vanashram is external. Rupa Goswami points this out in the Nectar of Devotion. It's, a, it's, it's an external thing. So it doesn't mean that if someone's a sannyasi, he's more advanced than a Grihasta. Actually, Bhakti Tirta Swami said, not long before he left, he said some of the Grihastas in our movement are more advanced than the sannyasis. Uh, so it doesn't mean that just... And, you know, if you look at the Panchatattva, they were Grihastas. Then Mahaprabhu took sannyas, Kadaha took sannyas, but they were Grihastas. If you look at the 12 Mahajans, I think, I can't remember, I think seven out of the 12 are Grihastas. So it's like that. You know, many are Grihastas. Uh, actually, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says in Kali Yuga, Grihasta ashram is a good ashram for the devotees. If you can be a, a brahmachari or sannyasi in Kali Yuga, then we respect you. Because <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. Just ask them. It's not easy. Right. Is that okay? Thank you, Prabhupada. Okay. Any other question? Sannyas is a measure of a renunciation, not necessarily a measure of learning. Of? Learning. Learning. And experience. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's also a sadhana. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. when devotees are immature, they think sannyasi means a pure devotee. Many devotees think that yeah. in ISKCON. They think, oh, it's sannyasi must be a pure devotee. No, it's a sadhana. It's a way to become a pure devotee. Mm. It's a practice. Like that. So we have to understand it like that, because sometimes the sannyasi will fall down, and then how could they fall down? Because they're practicing. And sometimes when you practice, you don't get it right. So, it's like that. On the point of um, um, charity, there are some who espouse um, that we should give to the brahmanas. Mm -hmm. Mm. What do you think about that? Rather well, than give to ISKCON, we should give to Brahmanas. Especially if the Brahmanas are asking for donations, we should give them, give, it, give what they ask for. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. It's an important point to discuss. Uh, it is Vedic culture to give to Brahmanas. 
It is Vedic culture. It's culturally necessary to give to Brahmanas. Uh, however, it's also not Brahminical activity or Brahminical culture or behavior to ask for the donation. And we see that happen sometimes. You know, people say, I'm a Brahmana. Give to me. I mean, if we, if we want to get technical right now. We're all Brahmanas. Yeah. Oh, no, not all. So in many, probably many of the, the temple residents you would consider, the brahmacharis you would consider, you would consider me, because you know, I teach in the temple and so forth. You, you consider yourself, because you also uh, behave like a brahmana. So, you know, but, but we never go around asking, you know, our oh, you know, I'm a brahmana, you need to give me charity. Like, we don't say like that, because if you're actually a brahmana, you are dependent on Krishna. That's brahminical culture. So you don't need to do the pick, you know, through the congregation. You don't need to go through and say, oh, Prabhuji, oh, oh, my watch broke. Oh, <laughs> you don't need to do that. Actually, that watch that did broke that I had for over 10 years, that was a gift from a devotee. You yeah, know, so he gave to, he gave to me as a, as a gift. It was a loving exchange. So he gave it and it broke, you know, but then I didn't start walking around saying to all the devotees, oh, my watch broke, uh, you know, does anyone maybe... Uh, you know, because <laughs> you, know, you can do that. No, but I went and brought a watch. So it, it is a, it's a cultural necessity to give to Brahmanas because there are genuine Brahmanas in our movement. You know, my Guru Maharaj is a Brahmana, I used to give him donations. I give donations to senior devotees and to Brahminical devotees. That's nice, that's part of our culture. But they should not ask for it. It should not be expected. Oh, I did the Jagya, where is the Dakshina? <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you start saying that, you're not a Brahmana. Because <laughs> a Brahmana would not say that. And that's like when we go to Vrindavan and you go to some of the temples and the so-called Brahmanas, as soon as you get there, they're all saying, you know, where's the donation, where's the donation? You know, that, that's not Brahminical culture. You know, I, I took my brother to Govardhan recently and we we're doing a parakram and we went to one place and the pandas, they harassed us. And he gave quite a good donation. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, they were asking. I said, it doesn't mean you give it to them. Yeah, give them something. Give them 10 rupees or something to keep them happy. Well, that won't keep them happy, but you know, <laughs> give, give them something. But that, that's not Brahminical culture. And I said to him, can you imagine Radhana Swami like running behind you? Oh, Prabhuji, Prabhuji, Dan, Dan. Like, no, no genuine Brahmana would ever do that. Hmm? So yeah, we should give to Brahmanas. That's our culture, but they need to be qualified and they should not ask. And Prabhupada actually said that about the beggars. He said, when you go to Brindavan, if the beggars do not approach you, you should give to them. Because they're begging, they're genuine. Like you go to Radhika and the Manajis sit peacefully, you should give to them. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, if you don't give to them, your heart will become hard. So you should give. But Prabhupada said, if they chase you, you don't give to them. That means they're just uh, like swindlers. They're just... You know, it's a, it's a money-making situation. That's not, that's not begging. Begging means you just sit quietly and if someone gives, they give. Oh, that's a, so that's my opinion. <laughs> oh, I'm giving to Brahmanas. <laughs> Yeah, or they will maintain themselves, because we all need a quota. You know, you need some money to maintain yourself. But then the excess, it says, because it says a Brahmana has six principles. One is he accepts charity and gives charity. So when there's excess, yeah, that's when you give to the, to the projects. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once you've got your necessities covered, then you give it to the excess. Yeah, Radhanath Swami says, when you're dealing with them, he said, just pretend they're a figment of your imagination. 
because they do, they, they harass. So when you go there, I tell the devotees when we go on Parikram, when we're going to a place, I say, oh, the, the pundits here, they're very, they harass. I said, just pretend they're in, they're in your mind. So everyone just goes there and they're all going, Dan, Dan, and we're all just going like, you know. <laughs> we just pretend they're not there. And they become frustrated and they walk away. Oh, that's Any other question or comment? Welcome back. Hare Krishna. Um, how to handle when opulence arrives as like a byproduct of bhakti in the form of wealth, prestige? Um, how to handle that opulence and not be bewildered by it? Yeah, that, that's the test for all of us. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. That's the test for all of us. Uh, because <coughs> Sachin Andan Swami was saying this a number of years ago at one of the retreats I, I was on. He said, you know, when you make some advancement and you've been around a, a, a certain period of time, you've made some advancement in Krishna content, people will offer you respect. They'll bow down to you. You know, they will give you gifts. They'll give you charity. All these, th these things will happen. So then the test is how is it going to affect your consciousness? So then you have to remember your guru and his example, right? And if you're actually in that mood that I am his servant, right, then whatever is being offered to you is being offered to him, actually. So then you pass that on. Right? So same with uh, Prabhupada. You know, Prabhupada often said, you know, I'm passing this to Bhakti Sananta Saraswati Thakur because that was his, uh, his bhava, his mentality. So it's a test for all of us because it comes and because we're still attached and we still have false egos, we think, oh, that feels nice. You know, oh, they bow to me now. You know, they give me things now. You know, everyone's like, like this now, right? And it's there, it, it happens. You know, just, you just stick around for, and you, you know, practice sincerely for a period of time. It's going, it's going to happen. But then you see, do you pass that on? Uh, do you give it to your guru? Uh, and do you give it, you know, we only made it this far because of a good deal of assistance that we got up until now. So that's, you know, so if we start keeping it, uh, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, then you are stainer. Stainer means you're a thief. Because uh, what was given to you, which is actually, you're just passing on, you're just the postman, you're just the person who passes the, the mail on. And you're keeping that for yourself, then you're a stainer, you're a thief. You know, if you work for the post office and you're keeping the packages, you lose your job. And that, that's what will happen in bhakti. You know, when Krishna says you're starting to keep too many of the packages, he'll say, okay, maybe time for a change. And he'll make an arrangement. And he'll pull the carpet. Have you ever had the carpet pulled? Yeah, happened a few times, right? <laughs> like, the, like that. So he'll do it. He's always sitting there. And then when he does it, he just goes, <laughs> I fixed you. <laughs> like that. So yeah, just it's something we all have to practice. Yeah. Any other question? Yeah. <coughs> no, no. Any root approval? Oh, battery's gone. Survive. Yeah. So 
Yeah, if you're an actual Brahmana. <laughs> if you're an actual Brahmana. You know, you keep something and then, you know, if there's excess, you give in charity. Any other question? Okay. Srila Prabhupada Ki.